You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network. The Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker. My guest is Janet DeMint. She is director of the Ryan Initiative for Macular Research, a program of the Doheny Eye Institute. Janet DeMint is an accomplished executive with experience across many sectors, including in Silicon Valley and the pharmaceuticals industry, and she most recently worked at the nonprofit National Academy of Sciences, where she launched and directed a speaker series, which in its inaugural season featured Dr. Stephen J. Ryan, at that time head of the Doheny Eye Institute. When Dr. Ryan founded this macular research initiative, he reached out to Janet DeMint to run the program. It's a great pleasure to have you here to talk about the work of the Ryan Initiative for Macular Research, what it does, why, how the work is done, and even, if you will, a tiny bit of history. So thanks very much for joining me, Janet. Thanks for the invitation, Jody. I'm pleased to be here. So let's start with the specific mandate of the Ryan Initiative for Macular Research, which is based on a broad scope of inquiry uh, in the quest to eradicate disease of the eye. Can you explain this approach? Well, sure. Our our approach, of course, is very specific to dry age-related macular degeneration. And the reason for that approach and for, for that specificity is because there are two types of macular degeneration. One is wet, where there are uh, blood vessels that leak in the back of the eye. And there are treatments for that type. The other is dry or atrophic AMD, for which there are no treatments. Uh, And at the time that Dr. Ryan started the program, there was literally nothing on the horizon for that. Approximately 80% of the cases of AMD in the United States are of the dry variety. And as the population ages with boomers, you know, coming into their senior years, there's going to be a huge, huge prevalence of this disease in the population. Today, what are the numbers like? According to the National Eye Institute, um, the number of people having AMD is expected to rise by approximately 50% by 2020, which would take it to almost 3 million people. Age-related macular degeneration affects more than 1.75 million individuals in the U.S. right now. So uh, it affects a lot of people. It affects a lot of families. Can you talk a little bit about what the symptoms are and then the limitations? Well, the symptoms can vary from absolutely nothing at all in the early stages to a distortion of the vision. In some cases, people begin to see straight lines as wavy and see some movement that's not there. But in dry AMD, in the more advanced stages, you lose your central vision. So if you can imagine looking into the face of your grandchild, for example, you may see everything around the child, but you won't see the face. It'll be grayed out. The intent is to direct this research very specifically, but the inquiry is very interdisciplinary. Can you talk about that broad approach? What we're doing, um, while the focus is very narrow to dry AMD, what we're trying to do is broaden the approach by bringing in other disciplines that normally would not be brought to bear on research in ophthalmology. So, for example, in the very beginning of the program, we had 
ophthalmologists, of course, involved, but we also had genetics, uh, stem cell experts, imagers, and some nanoscience people. Over the years, we've brought in also experts on biochemistry, cell biology, uh, epidemiology, cell survival, inflammation, aging and senescence, and the list just goes on and on. So what we've found is that people in all these different fields have learned things that inform the research on AMD and can inform ophthalmologists on what they're trying to accomplish and perhaps shortcut or speed up some of the progress. So that's something I'm quite interested in following up on. First, I know that there is an annual meeting, but I'm imagining that most of the work doesn't happen at that gathering. Can you talk about the working groups or the smaller partnerships that have evolved? You're absolutely right. Um, Much of the work is before and after the conference. But what happens at the conference is that all of these different researchers break into seven or eight different task groups. And each of those task groups has been assigned a topic that they are to pursue over the course of the two and a half days of the meeting. And their goal is not to completely solve the problem, because that is simply not possible, but they chart out what they see as the path to solving that problem. And in doing so, they identify the obstacles to progress, that have either been there in the past or that they anticipate as they move forward. And then they also identify studies that need to be done in order to remove some of those obstacles. Can you talk a little bit about that model of the working group that happens during the conference and the work that extends? Sure. Well, where it came from originally, at least in our case, the inspiration was the National Academy's Keck Futures Initiative. And the Keck Futures Initiative um, was a 15-year, $40 million program that was specifically designed to increase interdisciplinary research in the sciences. And they took a different scientific area each year and did the same type of meeting with the task groups and the experts from different disciplines. And the reason that that program came to be is because in the sciences over the years, typically people conducted their research in silos. So Dr. Ryan attended one of these National Academies Keck Futures Initiative conferences because he was on the board of directors of the Keck Foundation. And when he returned, he realized that this same approach could be applied to research in ophthalmology, and specifically to dry AMD. How do those collaborations evolve? Can you tell us a little about that? Well, first of all, the grants begin with an idea at the conference. So in a lot of cases, scientists from one field meet scientists from another field that they've never met before and would have no reason to meet because they don't go to the same meetings throughout the year. So sometimes they'll, they'll have an opportunity to talk at a break, at lunch, at dinner, whatever. And just in the course of normal conversation, they will talk about what their interests are, and they find that there's some overlap there. And so 
a lot of the grant projects began with casual interactions that happened at the conference and that then evolved into ideas that two or more researchers proposed and we funded. Um, so a great example of that, David Gam, who is an MD-PhD professor in ophthalmology and visual sciences at the University of Wisconsin, met a fellow named named Peshwan Guo, who is a nanotechnology expert from the University of Kentucky. These two guys had never met each other before. They're, you know, apparently in very different fields. But as a result of their conversations, they collaborated to develop tools and techniques that will improve stem cell transplantation for AMD and similar disorders. And um, according to Dr. Gam, the work absolutely never would have taken place if it wasn't for the conference and the grants program. Also, can you talk a little bit about the impact that some of these grants have had? So what typically happens is these grantees do their project over a year or a two-year period in some cases, and they generate preliminary data. And that's the kind of data that is necessary to go to a larger funding organization such as the National Eye Institute and get a multi-million dollar grant. So we have tracked the outcomes of the grants that we have funded, and over the years, they have brought over $230 million in additional funding to their projects. Had they applied for that grant without that information, they definitely would have been rejected because it was too either controversial or outlandish an idea. So that's on the money side. And can you talk about other outcomes? Well, sure. What we measure are grants, patents, publications, and other projects that have resulted. And for example, they've reported well over 100, I, I would say almost 200, outside grants that have been the result, and 18 patents, and well over 300 publications. Super interesting stuff. Thank you so much, Janet DeMint, Director of the Ryan Initiative for Macular Research, a program of the Doheny Eye Institute. Janet, I hope you'll come back. I'd be happy to. The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website, doheny.org.